0: Welcome to Beside the Burn for Friday the 22nd of September. Uh, Thank you for joining with us once again and being part of our daily devotional. And it being Friday, we're following our new pattern and we're coming to the Friday Book Club. And each Friday we're delving into a book. We're taking four to six weeks, maybe a little longer. I've discovered that this book is uh, maybe... Uh, there's so much in it that possibly can't cover it in that period of time, but we'll see. We don't want to drag it out too long, uh, but the idea is that you would get the book and read along. But even if you don't have the book, still listen because I think there's still truths uh, that will be encouraging and might even encourage you to go and get the book and to read it for yourself. For reading this book, gentle and lowly, is by an author called Dean Ortland, and he is taking the heart of Jesus and he's trying to um, look at Jesus' heart. He describes it as though it were a diamond. And so in each of the chapters, they're relatively short chapters, about six pages or so. And it's as though he's taking a diamond, holding it up to the light and slowly turning it round. And with each cut that has been made on the diamond, he sees the light reflected, he sees another aspect to the diamond that he hasn't seen before. And he is taking the heart of Jesus Christ and looking at it in this way and trying in each chapter to show us something more and something different about Jesus. And in doing this, he's taking the time to look at the heart. He's not just saying, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. He's saying, Jesus' heart loves us. And here's another way that we can look at that love, and we can see the extent to which Jesus has a heart for us. As the subtitle of the book suggests, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. We are the sinners, we are the sufferers and we come to Jesus and we discover that he has a heart that is open for us. So today we're going to look at chapter four of the book and in chapter four it speaks about Jesus is able to sympathise with us or as we see in the NIV here, uh, he is able to empathise with us. And the verse is Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise or sympathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now, that's a verse that is probably reasonably familiar to you, familiar to me, and yet having read the few pages in Dean's book that deal with this verse, I, my mind has just been expanded as I've tried to grasp the richness of what the writer the Hebrews is saying here. Dean, as well as looking at the verse, also delves into the Puritan writers and especially to Thomas Goodwin. And Thomas Goodwin has written a whole book on this particular verse. Yes, a whole book, not just one chapter, but a whole book. As Dean puts it, um, the Puritans write all they can about a particular verse. They wring it dry, as it were. And then they send their findings off to the publisher. And reading this chapter, it occurred to me that we all know that while on earth, Jesus was very approachable. We read the stories of people coming to him for healing and he never turned anyone away. But Dean makes the point here that Jesus is just as approachable today. Yes, he's in heaven. Yes, we have to pray to approach him. But Jesus is just as approachable as though we could walk straight up to him and we could ask him for help. Dan asks the question, what would it be like if a friend could place our hands on the beating heart of Jesus Christ? to feel Christ's deepest affections and to feel his deepest longings. And he says, we don't need a friend to do that because this verse in Hebrews is that friend. As we read this verse, it's as though we're placing our very hands on Jesus' heart. We're feeling his heartbeat and we realise that with that heartbeat, his deepest desires and longings for us. Dean also makes the point that we're all reasonably certain that Jesus is with us whenever things are going well, whenever things are working out in our lives, we can say and we can look and we can see how Jesus is with us. But this verse tells us the opposite. It is in our weaknesses, and there we see it, We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathise with our weaknesses. It is in our weaknesses that Jesus sympathises with us or empathises with us. It's whenever we are weak. It's whenever we are struggling. It's whenever life is not going well that Jesus is with us all the more, as it were. And that's... A wonderful insight for us who often think that we've been isolated and left alone whenever things are not going well. The word sympathize is made up of two Greek words. One of them is to suffer and the other one is with. And therefore, sympathize simply means with suffering. Jesus suffers with us in our weaknesses. Whenever we are weak, whenever we are struggling, in our pain, Jesus is with us. And in our pain, Jesus is pained. In our suffering, Jesus feels that suffering as though it were his own, even though it is not his. He feels our suffering. His heart is freely drawn into our distress. Jesus doesn't look on us from afar and see our suffering and our problems and say, well, what is the point in trying to help those Christians down there because they're always just getting things wrong and they're always messing things up. Whenever Jesus sees our distress, He cannot help but reach into it. His love cannot be held back from us. Now, what we have to remember here is that this is God that we're talking about. We know perfectly well that Jesus suffered on the cross. But to think for a moment that he continues to sympathise with us because of our weakness... That he suffers with us day by day, takes his relationship with us to a whole different level. This is the unrestrained witness of Jesus regarding his people. Jesus has been tempted like us. He has been on the difficult path that we are on and therefore he sympathizes with us. It's not that Jesus is like a doctor who has the cure for sin and he simply prescribes his cure for us and therefore our sins are forgiven. He is a doctor who has endured the disease for himself. He has taken our sin upon himself and he continues to suffer because of our sin and therefore he is able to bring us healing And forgive our sins. Sometimes I think. We don't fully appreciate. The extent of our sin. And just how much. It taints our relationship with God. And Dean has the most wonderful illustration. uh, For this. He says if sin were the colour blue. We don't. Occasionally say. Or do something blue. He says that. Everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think has a taint of blue on it. That is how sin permeates through all of our lives. Jesus had no blue. He was without sin. He was without taint at all. And yet he still takes on our suffering because of our blueness, because of our sin. What a saviour we have that he would do that for us. We tend to think that the more difficult life gets, the more we are on our own. As we sink further into pain, we seem to sink further into isolation. But the Bible corrects us in that thinking. Our pain never outstrips what Jesus shares in. We're never alone. The more difficult life gets, the more Jesus sympathises with us, the more he is involved. So we shouldn't feel isolated. We should feel loved and cared for. Jesus has gone into heaven, but he still suffers with us. He still sympathises in our weaknesses but we do have to remember Jesus is without sin. And therefore, maybe that conjures up in our minds the idea, well, does that mean that there's a limit to his sympathy? After all, we have sinned, but Jesus is perfect. We've given in to temptation, so we know what it is to sin, but Jesus doesn't have that experience. He never gave in to temptation. But that actually means that Jesus is able to sympathise with us more because in never having given in to temptation, he has known the full limits of what that temptation is like. Dane quotes C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis has a, a an illustration that helps us understand this. He talks about a man walking against the wind. And as the wind gets stronger, the man struggles to keep walking and eventually the wind gets stronger and stronger and he can walk no further and therefore he lies down and he has given up walking. He doesn't know what it would have been like 10 minutes later. He doesn't know the full extent of the wind and how much stronger it would have got. Jesus never lies down and therefore he knows the strength of temptation better than any of us. Because at that moment that we give in to temptation and we sin, Jesus continues to stand firm. And he stands firm in that temptation. And as it gets more and more intense, he still stands firm and does not give in. Only he knows the full cost of temptation. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Just as we are, yet he did not sin. What a saviour we have. Can I encourage you just to take that verse and and read it over the weekend. Just meditate upon it. Just maybe write it out in a little card somewhere and have it sitting and just keep going back to it and looking at those words and thinking about how wonderful Jesus is that he would do this for us. Let's uh, pray together now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all your goodness to us. We thank you that you have taken our sin and offer us forgiveness. And now, Lord, we trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.